I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. In South Dakota, hunting is our shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com. Welcome back to another episode of Woods and Waters Project Podcast. I am so pumped about our guests today. Uh, everyone, you're going to meet Joe Hunt, and we're going to be talking about overlanding. If you're not familiar with what that is, we're going to get into it. And I'm 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 super excited because for me, it feels like a long time coming. I met Joe about two years ago, and if anyone if anyone knows, uh, I drive a Tacoma, and when I walked past Joe and his wife, I saw this tricked out Tacoma with his trailer and this whole setup that looks like they were going to hit the road for I don't even I don't even know I was just like in in awe of what I saw and started picking their brain and found out they lived here in Iowa and found out about what they do and everyone I want you to meet Joe Hunt Joe thank you so much for being here you're very welcome thank you for asking uh it uh, should be a lot of fun yeah yeah absolutely and could you tell us just like a little bit about yourself, um, like who you are, what you do, you know, whatever you want to share? Um, you betcha. Uh, I, my wife and I have been married for over 41 years now. Um, we actually went camping on our honeymoon. So that gives you kind of any insight to what we like to do. Uh, we live on a farm just northwest of Mechanicsville, Iowa. That's a, my wife's family farm. We've been here for all 30 years. So our boys were raised out here for the most part, and uh, we taught them how to hunt and fish and camp all of our lives. Uh, my folks, when I was uh, just a boy, they were into overlanding. They didn't know that's what it was called at the time, but uh, pick up in a camper, and uh, we went out west many, many times, uh, even took a trip to Alaska. Uh, I was in the Air Force in Idaho. Uh, my wife and I, Sally, uh, we all we had basically was a dome tent and a, a minivan, a caravan at the time, and and we probably had that up in the mountains more than 
most minivans would ever see, but uh, two kids in diapers and a dome tent and a cooler. And we thought we had the world by the tail. So it's just been a progression from, from that point on. Uh, my folks kind of instilled the idea of traveling. Uh, my wife is, I'm very lucky to have her because she loves to travel and, and she makes a good navigator. So uh, we have a lot of fun together. Sometimes we'll get to an intersection and, well, do you want to go left or right? So it's just a matter of, well, let's look at that road down there and, and explore that, see what's over the hill or across the river. And uh, I'm a retired firefighter from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So I've got a lot of the skill set that is needed for these types of things, uh, thinking along lines of safety and those type of things. So uh, when we thought about doing this, it's, it's basically a really nice way to share this with other folks. And you can do it even on a, on a very small budget if you have a small compact car. And, and it's just something we enjoy very much. Uh, we just try to teach folks how to that everybody can go do this. And uh, it's a way that you can see this country and not have to stand in long lines and see many parts of it that, you know, really a lot of people don't ever see. Uh, it's it's an adventure. And that's that's the way we kind of live our lives is every day has to be an adventure of some type. And uh, so this is just one way that we can do that. Uh, I've been a, an archer and hunter fisherman for as long as I can remember long before I was married so uh, you know all those things kind of tie into to overlanding and exploring and just being outside I guess yeah oh my gosh there you're just like pulling on my heartstrings <laughs> for a few <laughs> things because I and I didn't know I, I mean I, I you know I've gotten to know you a little bit lately but I didn't know all these other things about you until, you know, until recently or until right now. And um, which I just think is like really, is just really cool and really interesting, especially like for this podcast and the things I'm curious about. So, you know, growing up for, for me, like my parents took us camping all the time. Like we went camping all the time. If I had, if I had friends over to sleep over, which I did my like entire childhood, we camped in my yard my parents like built us forts like outside they built a oh, nice. um, our playhouse was set up so we could like sleep in it outside um i my my dad you know when we would go uh down to southern iowa and go deer and turkey hunting he had a topper on his truck and he built a bed frame uh inside the back of his truck and then he took like pvc pipes that came out on either side when you opened up the tailgate and the and the topper and then we draped a tarp over it so we slept inside of his truck when I was like little and then we'd crawl out and then we'd have like the tarp over so we had our little kitchen in case we got rained on and stuff like that and um like there's I could just like really start thinking about all those examples of things and that's how I grew up and that's still how we do things and I have so many like core memories around that and I feel really blessed that that's what my parents did because even though, I don't know, like even though we might not have traveled across like the country or the world, which we did road trip quite pretty often too, um, I just always felt like we were doing stuff like that, you know? And I remember my parents, like a lot of our friends would come, like my friends would come camping with us and that was a new experience for them. And I remember thinking that's crazy 
Like my parents took so many like of our young friends like camping for the first time. And that was, uh, that was just like my whole life. And it's still like what I love to do. And um, I get it. Like people don't always want to be outside and like when they can be in their bed or a hotel or whatever, but I gravitate way more towards sleeping in a camper in a tent outside than in a hotel. And so I just relate to this so much, like to my core. So I think that's, that's just, that's just super cool, especially that you have a partner who loves it as much as you do. Yeah. I think that's and really we, neat. We enjoy to travel. We, we may go to uh, a motel once a year. Um, many times it's because there's a pool and it's the middle of winter time and we're looking for something to do. Um, my wife is, I know she's going to, her and, and my granddaughter are taking a day here later on this winter just to go do that very thing and just go, uh, whether it's on some kind of a little road trip, not too far possibly, but, you know, just to enjoy something. Um, and it, it is, it, it's nothing but adventure. Some of our trips have lasted as long as 60 days and over 13,000 miles for one trip. And yet some of them were literally in our backyard out here around the campfire. So it doesn't matter the length of the trip. It's just a matter of getting away a little bit and recharging and, and refreshing a, a little. Um, we're lucky enough we have our own campground or campsite, I guess you're going to say that, in our timber. Um, and we've had, it's hard to probably imagine how many times we've camped up there with friends and family and, and workshops too, as well as, as far as that goes. But that's the way we were, we were both raised, uh, was to enjoy the outside. Uh, my boys are in their 30s, so they have their own families now, and, and it pleases me to no end that they are doing the same things. Uh, my youngest son, they try to get out to the, the Badlands in South Dakota area once a year, if possible. Um, my oldest son, he's, you know, he's very, very busy, but uh, he and his daughter, she's 13, they, they try to go as often as they can. And uh, they come out here, we, we uh, shoot, we target shoot, we archery shoot, uh, many things like that. So uh, you have to mix things up a little bit, sometimes get a little bit inventive and, and uh, it, it works out and it's well worth it. It's well worth the trouble. So and we look at it, at it as a challenge as uh, when we used to go to the Boundary Waters. Uh, my boys and I used to go every other year. So we would go with the idea that let's see if we can stay dry. Let's see if we can stay, keep ourselves fed see if we can keep, you know, keep comfortable. And, uh, and it's a lot of work to go to the Bounty Waters, but it's, it's amazingly rewarding. Um, a few years, my wife finally said, well, why can't I go to the Bounty Waters? I said, nobody said you couldn't. So her and I went up, <laughs> her and I went up just the one year, just the two of us. And uh, I remember more than one night, we, we sat on the bank, you know, along, along the lake till, two in the morning or three in the morning watching the northern lights um and she has the the luck because we had the best weather when she went and i think we had one windy day that we had to paddle hard across the lake and that was it uh, the boys and i have had the weather a few storms and it's made for some good stories so but yeah that's that's amazing i well and i just like i did a boundary water trip with two of my best girlfriends a few years ago and we had never done anything like that together 
the the two girls that I went with, they're very outdoorsy, um, very capable, like good with like good with working with their hands. Like they're just kind of um those kind of girls. But we all three of us are, but we had never done anything like that together. Like our time together usually was spent going out to eat, getting drinks, can't, you know, hanging around a fire. Like we had never done anything like that before. And um I really feel like, even though we've been friends for years, I feel like that trip really did something special to our friendship because one of them, uh, Tiffany, my friend, she's like, she's really tall, but she was really pregnant when we went and she actually carried the canoe. Like at first we took turns, but she has like long arms and it was just like, she just put it over her head and looking back, it's like funny. Cause she was like the pregnant one carrying the canoe, but my friend Casey and I, we would just have a pack on our front, pack on our back. We carried the heavy load, you know, because um, we didn't want to carry the big canoe through like the woods. Like you've been there, sure. like, you know, how that works yeah. and stuff. but um, there was no drinking. There was no partying. It was just like the three of us for like, I think three, I can't even three days. We got done a little bit early because we paddled so much like we kind of overdid it. Uh, but it was awesome. It was such like, it was such like a, I don't know. It really like cemented our friendship. I, I would say it was just such a cool experience. Sure. Sure. Very uh, cool. That, that's what we find a lot in our workshops is, is people are intrigued by overlanding, which I guess definition wise overlanding is um, vehicle based travel where you're self-reliant, where you may have a destination in mind. However, it's the trip itself that counts so we've had many adventures that uh we actually didn't reach the end of our goal because we were taking so many side trips and seeing the sites along the way um many times when we go uh no matter if it's a even a weekend that you find some some interesting things along the way that you don't actually get to the end of it getting to the end of that trip is not the goal you know, the, a certain destination. It's the adventure along the way that is the goal. So that we always find. And uh, we always run across something unexpected, uh, interesting, fun, sometimes a puzzle to figure out. But many times that's what people are kind of looking for in whether it's outdoor adventure or especially overlanding is what do I do if something like this happens or if that happens? Uh, they just lack the experience and maybe a little confidence to try it on their own. And if they come to a workshop where uh, they can learn a few of these, of these things on their own, they're out there before you know it. And before long, you're getting phone calls back and say, hey, we did this or we, we found this. Uh, and you know, experience this, we got ourselves out of a sticky situation or, you know, something like that. So, and, and we've taken, actually taken people on trips and gone with friends and family and various things and gotten into situations where, yeah, things were a little dicey, um, but it can get a little dicey on the highway too. So it, it's just a matter of being prepared. And that's, and that's a lot of what we teach. And, and that's part of the adventure. If everything goes exactly according to plan and what you hope to, or what you hope for, it's not terribly 
fantastic adventure, I guess. So there's always the unexpected. And uh, you see things, do things. And every time we go out, we learn something or friends of ours learn something or we learn something from them. So uh, it, it really works out. And, and it's it's amazing. It's amazing. We never do to get tired of it. That is that is incredible. And if I'm sorry for the sound effects in the back, my one of my dogs, one of the three is whining because one <laughs> of them's outside and he wants to be outside. And so he's throwing a fit right now. Yep, um, that's funny. <laughs> but no, that that is amazing. And something that you put. Like, I guess in your workshops or like through life, I'm sure you've experienced this, but. I know something that for me, and it, it, I'm saying this in kind of a lighthearted way. So my my boyfriend, um, we both are very, really into the outdoors, really into hunting, really into all of those things like adventure and travel and trips and all those things like that, that we have in common. We love to do that stuff together. But one of our biggest hiccups in our, like our chink in our armor is he is definitely if I can fly there and not waste the trip like he's all about where we're going the destination sure and and most people most people I know are like that are a little bit like I have a trip I'm gonna get there I'm gonna get there as cheap and quick and you know as fast as I can um I'm not gonna like spend a couple extra days of my vacation driving there um and that is something that we have a hard time with because I can, I love to drive and I can drive forever. Um, and I also get super car sick. So I prefer to drive anyway. And, um, and I guess planes and buses and everything else, boats, whatever. But <clears throat> so I prefer to drive. So the whole thing for me is I can, you know, I can be in control 90% of the time. It's, it's, I can do it. You don't, you can just lay there and sleep and whatever um but uh that is hard for him like to have the time in between and the traveling um do you run into that with like your workshops or like with couples I would assume like I I feel like a lot of people want to just like get where they're going they don't want to like stop right we we do um I we've got some people that we travel with from time to time that um great folks and, and we seem to start planning our next trip sometimes before we get back from the one we're on um, but once we get on the trail you can get wrapped up in covering so much ground that you don't get to see what's off the side of the trail and um, we just completed this summer the continental divide trail and cool. you know from mexico from the Mexican border to Canada. Uh, it's about 2,500 miles. Um, I think we may have paid for oh, three or four campsites, possibly. The rest were out in the mountains and, you know, at no charge in national forest area, uh, you know, public spots like that. So um, it was it was amazing the things that we saw and the, and the, the bicyclists that we ran into the hikers that we ran into because it crisscrossed the hiking trail many, many times. Uh, the The trail that you can drive is a bit different, but you still run into the, run into these people. You run into people on on adventures 
like what you're doing and actually become friends with them because you many times will hit the same camp spots. And if you talk to these folks, you can learn a lot of things from them, find out where they're from. I ran into people from overseas, every almost oh, many, many different countries, let alone, you know, the Americans here, in, you know, in this country and look at how they're traveling, which might give you some, some better ideas than what you're using or to give you a bit of an insight to how they're traveling from another country here. There are people that, that come to the United States and spend six months to a year traveling, just traveling around the country. And if you ever take a chance uh, and take the time to go to some of the national parks in this country, it's to me personally, it's a little bit embarrassing because more the visitors that these parks get are from other countries. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's basically in our backyard. Why don't we go see these things? I mean, they're amazing things. Um, one year I came through Yellowstone on the 4th of July. And it was just happened to be the time that I hit that, hit the park at that time. And it was just loaded with people and crowds are not my favorite thing. Um, you know, I, I don't mind speaking. I don't mind doing a lot of those things. But if you took the time to, to drive a mile down the road, you would find other little trails or roads that, that didn't allow large campers, didn't allow trailers uh, that you could pull off on and see sites that were as, as amazing as the main attractions. And there was one or two, maybe a handful of other people. So you didn't have to wait in line. You didn't have to go shoulder to shoulder walking down a boardwalk, you know, to see a geyser or animals or, you know, just the scenery in general. So to explore these things and actually find them is it's a real treat. So um, it, it's amazing. I mean, I we don't have enough miles left on our Tacoma to see everything <laughs> we don't have enough miles in the next two or three vehicles that we might get to see everything so there's no reason to to rush on one trip and think you're going to see everything because you won't yeah so oh, I love that you need to take your time you need to enjoy the trip along the way that's what overlanding is really all about yeah and uh not only to see everything or to enjoy the trip, but to enjoy the time with my wife or my children or my friends that I might take a trip with. And, and after all, that's, that's what it's the goal of it is, uh, yeah. that you can stay dry in a rainstorm or be comfortable, sit around a fire in a rainstorm and, and still enjoy your meal and, and look out, you know, and see these things and run across some of these amazing things that can be you know you can actually take part of you're not seeing the country looking through a window you know you're actually out there involved in it so that's that's what it's about and yeah. that's what we try to get across to people you have such a and I, I'm like a very I feel like I'm a very positive person but I feel like you have such a great mindset about it like and I think you have a rare mindset about it too. You, you know, like I, I, again, just to, I feel very blessed with like my parents and like how they, they 
every trip I've ever taken with them, like that stuff along the way is like what we love as a family. Like we have, like as a family, we just enjoyed that. Um, and we still, we still do. And, um, I just love that. That's like where your head's at. Like, it's about my time with my wife and my kids and my family and my friends. And I think that people deep down, I mean, I think to the core, that's what people want, but everyone gets so distracted and rushing around and not being as present as they could be. And that I like love, that's what you're saying about it because, um, sometimes like the most beautiful places and the best trips and like this, you know, these things that you wanted to see and experience sometimes, like if you or the person you're with isn't, if they're so worried about like the next thing, it's hard to enjoy something that's so magnificent in front of you when the person you're really trying to spend the time with maybe is like, you know, worried about the end. And I just think that's such a cool way that you guys spend time together and look at it. I think that's great. It's it's not Chevy Chase and family yeah. vacation, you know. Right, exactly. So, yes. uh, <laughs> if you remember the, the scene where he walks up to the Grand Canyon and looks at the canyon, yep. You know, yep. <laughs> around and walks away. So, um, I actually... you know, there, there, there's far, far more to it than that. So, yeah, I just, I actually just uh, had that movie playing maybe like, three days ago while I was working, you know, like in the background. And I just went to the Grand Canyon this summer with my older brother. And um, it was my second time going to the Grand Canyon. And I had so many people say to me, like, do you really need to go to the Grand Canyon more than once? Like, because I went when I was 13 and then, you know, now I'm 31. So like, to me, it's like a lifetime apart at this point. And sure. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it is. I remember it vividly. It is not just a hole in the ground. You know, they're like, well, Absolutely. I would, would want to go somewhere new. And I'm like, no, like this trip was a mix of doing it with my older brother, you know, doing something like that, just like him and I, and we hiked part of it and we um, camped on our road trip. And like this whole thing was just highlight of my life, you know? Um, and I just like, I couldn't, I can't stop. If you get me talking about it, I could talk about it forever. And I just couldn't understand how people were just like, oh, you've seen it once, you know? I'm like, no, no way. <laughs> no way. Everybody's heard of, you know, the grand, the basic Grand Canyon trip, you know, where they ride the mules to the bottom of the canyon or they walk or hike down, which would be amazing. But did you know that you can also drive to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and camp? No, and, I and did you're, not. And you're camping, you know, a, a stone's throw away from the Colorado River, you know, from or from the river. So, um, and it, it's it's on an Indian reservation. You just need a permit to go down. There's places to camp. It's a, the both sides are rimmed with the mountains, you know, and, and the cliffs. It's maybe not as spectacular as the main part of the canyon, but the night sky is you've never seen the stars if you've never seen the stars without light pollution from a city or you know your own yard light for instance i mean i it's amazing um a good friend of mine and i took a trip we did that one year and when he had to come home i went to vegas and picked up my wife at the airport turned around and almost did the identical trip back because she at that point she had never seen the, the grand canyon uh, so we drove to the bottom of the canyon, camped, and then drove around to the north rim, 
there's an area called Two Weep or Toro Weep that you can drive in. It's about 60 miles in. The last five miles are national park. So they uh, there's really no trailers allowed after that point. And we're in a campground that has maybe nine or 10 campsites. And I think we were one of maybe three or four people or four campsites that were being used. Um, when the friend of mine and I were there, I got him up at, yeah, I think I got up at four or 4.30 in the morning at that time, it was during the summertime, had a pot of coffee going and had a lawn chairs out. So he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, nothing. I said, Let, let's watch the sun come up over the Grand Canyon. So, you know, it's things like that. And then, you know, less than two weeks later, I'm back in the same spot with, with my wife and, you know, doing the same thing and having as much or more fun than we did the first time around. So there's, there's so many different parts of just the Grand Canyon to see that you don't realize. And a lot of people don't realize. Um, and like I said, when we're on these trips, sometimes we find these little spots that are just amazing. And we've been back to see those spots again sometimes, uh, let alone finding new places to go. So uh, Moab, I mean, we've been, you know, the, this particular Tacoma has been from the Atlantic to the Pacific and from Mexico to Canada. It's been backed into three different oceans so far. And so, you know, there's there's so much more to see. That That's our outlook. There's just so much more to see. Um, right now, if we do everything that we are hoping to do next summer, uh, it'll take two summers to do because, you know, we just keep getting more ideas about things to do. Uh, my sons come up and they say, dad, I said, Hey, you want to do this next summer? Well, sure. But when I'm, we got to fit it in here sometime, um, and yes, working, I realize we are retired. But working, having a family, just living, you know, that takes a lot of time too. But you can fit these trips in. You can fit them in anywhere, anywhere that you want to, whether it's just a day or two weeks or a month, it doesn't matter. So, but I, yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree. And I didn't even, I didn't even know. And, until meeting you that things that I love to do or things I was taught were overlanding like I didn't know it had a name or it had you know <clears throat> had a definition at all um and I just like I'm just like having like so many flashes of good memories and so many things I want to do and so many questions about how I could do things better because you know okay so there's a lot of things I want to like, I have, I've been taking notes so I can come back to. So I hopefully I can ask you sure, um, sure. something, I guess, I I think I, I would say like as a woman who loves to do a lot of solo stuff, but just really as any person, it doesn't have to be as a woman. I would say like my biggest reservation about any of that stuff outside of gas money <laughs> is going to be like my safety and sometimes the things I think about when I've done, I just started to do some like solo camping a little bit. I've done a lot of solo road travel. Um, sometimes I'm just as nervous being in a hotel as I am 
in my truck or in a tent, to be honest, just depending on where I'm at or, you know, the situation. And I know it makes a lot of my family uncomfortable when I do solo stuff. Um, do you, do you have suggestions on solo traveling and like being safe? Like, and I, you know, on one subject, I think animal life, most of the time humans are a little scarier than animals. And I think that is sometimes my biggest reservation with traveling. Um, any thoughts or tips or tricks, or is that something that people ask you about? I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, it's amazing. Uh, we had taken a trip a few years ago. There was three of us, three different vehicles in the campground that we stayed the first night. It was a, a lot of these small towns are going to free campsites or free campgrounds in town. So they bring business people in because might order a pizza or a beer or you know go into town for supper or something like that um and so there was a, a young gal she was in her early 20s and she came up to our campsite just start to visit a little bit you know and all she had was a her car just a small car and a tent and so i asked her i said well you know, we got talking and like I say she was in her early 20s uh, just a, a pretty young woman but she was traveling by herself and all of a sudden the dad kicks in for me. It's like, well, you're being aware of what's going on around you. Correct. You know, just keep an eye out, keep your head on a swivel. I mean, there's no reason to be paranoid or anything like that, but just be aware of your surroundings is probably one of the biggest things that you can do, whether it's, uh, you know, trouble with people or uh, wildlife or anything like that. Um, here a while back, we, uh, we took two guys, we spent two weeks together going to Utah and then across country to the Oregon coast, picked up my wife in Seattle. We went to Alaska for three weeks. Uh, long story short, she flew home from Alaska. I went on North to the Dempster highway, which is up in Canada and it's 500 miles in 500 miles out up to the village of Tuk Toyuk Tuk. I ran into three different women up there who were traveling by themselves and they were staying at places that they could see well around them you know and i always tell people trust your instincts your instincts are there for a reason so if you are going down the road and you see somebody that stop along the road if your instincts many times will say ah, something just doesn't feel right uh, and today, most people have cell phones or some way of communication. So it's not quite like it used to be. Um, but just the biggest thing on being safe by yourself is keep your head on a swivel. Be a little bit prepared. Now, some people carry firearms. We actually took a shotgun to uh, Alaska and Canada. Uh, you have to do a few things to get a, a shotgun into Canada, but it can be done very easily and, and with very little little trouble uh, you know for the wildlife because we were camping in some very remote areas so and then also if you carry bear spray something like that now mind you if my wife was out by herself camping and somebody approached her who made her very nervous or possibly were dangerous bear spray would work there if you had to or mace or something like that to defend yourself um you know, and, and again, the best thing you can do is not to get into those situations. Uh, 
So keep your head on a swivel. Check out your campsites. If you're pulling into a, a like in Canada, what they had were provincial parks. And they were like uh, our state campgrounds, basically. They supplied they even supplied firewood for you. If you pull into a place that's very wooded, either drive around your campsite if you can, or walk around it before you set up, set, you know, set up your campsite just to check to see if there's anything that might be hazardous that's close. Uh, you know, if it's an overhanging tree that looks rotten, you know, you don't want to put your tent right underneath of it. If it's uh, a bunch of hard partiers or somebody the next campsite or two, maybe it would be a better choice to move on or pick a different campsite. So, pardon me. And uh, always allow more than one exit. You know, two exits is always better than one. So it's just, you're not looking for trouble. You're just looking at ways you can avoid trouble. And most of the time, that's all you live with. Um, I would much rather, much rather keep my head on a swivel and avoid a situation than ever have to use a shotgun, whether it be for wildlife or, or any other reason. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and many people don't don't care for guns. They don't like guns, and that's fine. That's that's their their choice. But uh, you know, you have to be aware that situations, whether it's with wildlife or people, or many times anything, can go south. So you have to be prepared to handle that or to avoid those situations. Yeah. Um, and if you do that, it it puts your mind at a lot a lot greater ease. And you can enjoy yourself that much more. So, uh, but yeah, the, the dad does kind of kick in sometimes, you know, especially if you see young kids out there traveling by themselves. Uh, hey, just, you know, be careful. Just watch what you're doing, you know, and uh, just be aware of what's going on around you. That's that's the biggest thing, probably. Yeah. You know, and, follow, and follow your instincts. Yeah. No, I love that. And it makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I've thought about many times, um, <clears throat> so especially when I met you guys it was really I was really thinking about it at the time so when I do when I do solo travel I thought about doing some sort of build out from the bed of my my Tacoma I always have a dog box back there because I have sure. well sure. I have we have five dogs um and two of them travel with me if I can take them with me they they come with me pretty much sure. um and I, I've thought about building out from my truck, getting some sort of camper trailer, you know, oftentimes I'll either camp or get an Airbnb, like on, when I travel and stuff like that on the way. Um, it just kind of depends on the situation, but something I've thought about multiple times, I used to listen to this podcast and the podcast isn't on anymore, but it was my favorite. And it was, um, it was women on the road and it was all about like what we're talking about. Um, but they're all solo female travelers and they're from like all over the world. It was fascinating. But one of, one of the episodes was on safety and something the woman said to think about was, um, when you're detached from your vehicle, right? So like, you know, your exits, you know, how to, how to leave the situation. If you're in danger, sometimes the hard part of carrying a trailer with you versus being in a vehicle that you're sleeping in is if you have to leave, you have to like get out of the trailer to then get in your vehicle, right? And that's probably a little bit of overthinking, but um, 
I've thought about that a few times when I've been solo by myself and I'm like away from my vehicle. I'm away from my escape route, you know, um, of like how much trickier that is. And I, and I, I, I hate that anyone even has to think that way or think about that stuff. Um, I have been in a couple situations where I feel like I shouldn't have been in danger, but I was maybe like in danger, um, a little bit, um, if and you I get this curious. little voice, if you get this little voice that talks to you once in a while, it's like, you know, that situation doesn't look quite right. Yeah. Then just remove yourself from it before it ever can develop into anything. Yeah. Um, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah. It's, and I think that's just good to be aware of. We, my, um, my bro, I have an older and a younger brother, and we are going to do part of the Appalachian Trail in September. Oh, nice, nice. And yeah, and I think our dad is going to come with us too, which, like, he's actually really in pretty good shape. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like work out or anything like, like that. My age. He's, yeah, well, I'm 31, <laughs> so you guys probably are like, because you said your kids are in your third in their 30s, so they you are, guys yes. are probably close. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my dad can climb a tree like a monkey. Like he's he's doing pretty okay. Um, but he's thinking about doing this trip with us, which I would love if he went. Um, and I feel I feel pretty good. One one second, I'm so. Okay, I don't know what's happening. I gave them I gave my dogs a I gave them all a pig ear to keep them busy during oh, sure. this podcast. Sure and the puppy i have a puppy and he takes longer to chew his stuff so the other two are mad because he still has one they finish theirs you know so sure. they're they're arguing because <laughs> they want um they want his so and the puppy's just like prancing around with it like irritating them can you hear them just just barely so okay well, anyway, with that trip, the thing I think about, I've been thinking about a lot. My brothers are sending the itinerary and like what packs we should get and like what we need to bring. And they're like, they're worried about all that stuff, which is great, is important, obviously. I'm thinking about how we're going to be in bear country and like, what are we going to do in that situation? And also with like the people like the safety part like that is like what preoccupies my mind oh, sure. Sure. Trip. Um, now, what i would suggest and it, just my suggestion is you're going on this trip for adventure right for yeah. something to do <laughs> with your brothers and and hopefully with your dad yeah if you have to tailor the trip a little bit so that your dad can get through it in good shape and enjoy himself then isn't that the main goal of the the whole trip yeah oh and yeah. i think i think we i think we would i think uh um i think we would we just want to see if he's like on this isn't anything that he's done you know but oh, sure. Sure. Year, years ago i really hope he does because we we would we would tailor it so he could go 100 um yep. um I think he'll, my mom, my mom would not be interested in doing this at all, which is fine. And, um, my parents are like each other's best friends. So 
I would say because my mom doesn't want to go is one of the reasons my dad might stay back with her. But when um, my dad said when he was like my age, like the Appalachian Trail was like the top of his list of things he wanted to do. And so I'm really hoping he does it. And my mom won't care. She'll be glad all of us are gone, to be honest. Like, she'll be fine. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I hope, I really hope he does, um, at least part of it. Um, I think it would be the coolest thing to do. I've never done anything like that with my, both my brothers and my dad. So that would be a first for all of us. So that'd be, sure. that'd be well, very cool. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And back on the, the self-protection yeah. a little bit, whether yeah. you're using bear spray or if you choose to use firearms, um, one of the biggest things about that is make sure that whatever state you're traveling through or whatever state you're traveling to, make sure that you're following the, the state and local laws. So, you know, that's, I guess that's obvious for us. Uh, whenever we do travel like that, we always look up then at that, just before we leave, the newest laws are because there are changes from time to time, you know, even, uh, you know, about taking bear spray into Canada or, you know, bear spray in Alaska, various, various places like that. Um, but, you know, don't go um, completely defenseless, you know, always just prepare and, and things will go much easier and much, you know, um, we were we were running one trail out in Kentucky, just a nice little gravel trail, no worries whatsoever. Um, just cruising through, nice and easy, not very fast at all. There was a jeep ahead of us, and all of a sudden, when we crossed the same area they they did, our the left rear of the truck, there was a hidden washout above a culvert in a road, and so the entire truck slipped into this culvert and the hole was big enough you could drop a Volkswagen in it so uh, oh my gosh. when we realized that we were reasonably stable and we weren't doing serious we were in two-wheel drive at the time so we weren't off-roading but when we did that we made sure that we were stable for the moment we got out of the vehicle the front bumper was uh, six feet off the off the ground so uh, the guys that we were traveling with they had a winch on their vehicle i have a winch on my vehicle between the two we got it pulled up on the level no damage uh because the vehicle's outfitted properly um got turned around we got back out of there and we marked the area so that somebody wouldn't fall in there but without the winches or um tow ropes or um recovery equipment you know we'd have been stuck there and it's not a it wasn't a road that people were traveling very often so it's just a matter of being prepared for as much as you can be you could haul a semi-tractor trailer behind you with equipment in it and not have everything you need all of the time but just do the best you can for what suits your trips and your situation whether it's hiking the appalachian trail or you know going to mcbride down there around the lake or you know whatever whatever trip or or adventure that you might be seeking so um and that's again that's part of what we teach during the the workshops and in in our clinics is just plan it out some of our trips have been in planning for a year so uh, you know so between two or three of us if there's three or four of us going on a trip we try not to duplicate 
too much equipment and too much gear uh, because I, I felt very fortunate. I felt like I was living the high life when we came across the hikers on the Continental Divide Trail because everything they have is on their back. Here I am in a vehicle with all these things, you know, all of this comfort. So you felt like a king. Um, so hiking and backpacking is the same sort of thing. You just have to take smaller amounts. But because you're taking less stuff, there's also less things to go wrong. You don't have to worry about a vehicle if you're hiking. So um, it's just those types of things. But uh, it can yeah. it can be very interesting no matter where you go or when you go. Yeah. No, I love, I love that. And, and, um, something I thought was really great about when I first met you and your wife was, uh, we talked about how if people know their budget, like you can help them work through like what then is the bare minimum you need if that's the budget you're working with. Um, I thought that was really great because I think what can be intimidating about this conversation is, uh, like the like life for people is really hard right now you know it's really expensive to just exist in your home let alone go on a road trip you know um and what that would cost from gas and vehicle maintenance and equipment that you need and like um just all of that I think can be really intimidating and seem daunting at first or seem like you need all these things um and I, I feel like you and I had a good conversation about that when I first met you, just how I, we can help people work up to this. Like, this is a Absolutely. long game thing. You don't have to have all these things right now. Um, and I thought that was great. And I, and I really do think that, I mean, obviously there's just, there are just some times that either money or time is going to be too tight to make things work for people. I, and I realize that, but um I think a big part of this though, like what, what I'm like feeling from this conversation is it's, it's gotta be, if someone's listening to this and they want to, you know, take a long road trip, a short one, or want to do this kind of stuff with their family. Um, I definitely think it's all about mindset because for me, I find joy in a lot of things. Like I get joy out of camping here in Iowa. And I also get joy out of road tripping across the country and like doing something I've never done before. And I like, find adventure wherever I go like that is just how I was raised and how I'm wired and I love that and I feel like you and your family have the same mindset about it so um I think that's where it starts like finding the adventure and joy and like all the things um versus worried about like this long big road trip you know like oh, I, I don't absolutely. know I absolutely. I just think that's really cool one of one of the things you mentioned earlier I, and I was curious about, cause it's a, it's a bucket list, I guess, like for me is I would really love to road trip to Alaska. Did you guys drive you? So you drove to Alaska. Is that we, did. Right? we did. Um, two friends of mine, uh, we went together and we actually finished from Utah to Oregon, the, uh, um, transcontinental American or the trans American highway or trans American trail. And so, like I say, we spent, I mean, we were way out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. We camped in the desert, we camped in the mountains and, and, you know, and we backed our vehicles into the West coast, you know, so the tires would get wet on a beach. And so when those two came back, 
uh, I went on north up through and picked my Sally up in Seattle. And we took the, went up to Prince Rupert in Alaska or in Canada, and then took the inside passage on the ferry from there up to Whittier, Alaska. And from there, that is, it's a very interesting area because the only way in and out other than by water is through a train tunnel. And there's, you have to line up and they only let people drive through it at certain times. Otherwise they have a train coming through and that's the only way in or out. So that was interesting in itself. Um, you know, it used to be kind of a, an old military-ish type town uh, at the time when Alaska was being developed. And we found some places. If you talk to my wife, Hope Alaska is a must-see. It's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Sutluff. They're south of Lisbon. Um, it's just basically an old bridge that goes across. It's, it's a historic bridge and a restaurant. Uh, the bridge goes across the river. Uh, there's really nothing there, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a neat area. And Hope, Alaska, when we were there, um, all of a sudden there was, we checked, the, they do have a campground. It was full. It was, everything was booked. Like, there's nobody here. How can it be booked? Well, they have, we're having a music festival by the when we were there. So we ended up, we camped literally in a lady's parking lot. And it was an amazing time. There was music all over town. There were people that were incredibly interesting to talk to. And so we just took off from there and, and went, we ended up on the Kenai Peninsula. Uh, we stayed uh, two nights in a, it was kind of an efficiency apartment. And we took a charter fishing trip out one day and just enjoyed the area. And then when we left there, we took our fish with us that we caught and Sally brought them home when, when she came. And I mean, it was, we're planning on going back. We don't know exactly when, but we're planning on going back, making another trip. And we'll, we'll take another, another route possibly. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure when or which direction we're going to go, but we're going to go. So, uh, and that's part of it is, and then sometimes the biggest part is just making up your mind to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. But, um, making up your that, mind to do it and making up your mind which trip that's it. or direction that's you're really going to go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, was it not this October, but a little over a year ago, a friend of mine, late October, we decided to go up to, there's a trail in Wisconsin. It's uh, the Trans-Wisconsin Adventure Trail. And it goes all the way up to the Great Lakes, the Lake Superior. And it was cold. I mean, we had, you know, <laughs> we even took a uh, an LP gas fireplace with us um, that we could set up sometimes because there are burn bands sometimes. And sometimes the LP fire is just more, it's easier to transport rather than hauling wood or trying to find wood or those types of things, you know. So there are many things you can do. But uh, it wasn't the most pleasant some of the time because it was so cold but we took good equipment with us we stayed warm we slept well but uh in the morning that hot cup of coffee was sure you know a good thing to have so but no you can you can plan it anywhere anytime um and it's like i say it's it's a mindset well i think i could stay warm even though it's cold out or there's some bad weather coming up. I can stay dry. I've got good rain gear. I've got, you know, an awning. I've got a good tent. 
you know, whatever the case may be, it's, that's the way we've always looked at it as a challenge. And that's the way my boys have looked at it. And we, that makes a difference. It makes a huge, huge difference. If, if all you have is a, is a compact car, you can pack everything you need in an army duffel bag and go to army surplus and many times pick up the gear that can let you go. All you have to do is pack your cooler and go. So, um, like I say, when we were in the service, we didn't exactly, uh, have everything that we needed, but we had a, a vehicle that was pretty trustworthy, uh, a good tent, a cooler, and a couple of jugs of water and two kids in diapers. And we thought we had the world by the tail. That, oh, these, these, these dogs right now. That's, that's, uh, no, that's amazing. And I, and I can't really ever think, I mean, there have been trips I've taken where I really wish I would have brought a piece of gear or something like that. But for the most part, I feel like I overpack. Yep. Like for just about Everybody everything. Does. It's a yeah. bad, it's a habit. Yeah. yeah, it's and and there's been plenty of times that I had the necessities or I over I overdid it. And there are things I'm glad I had just in case, you know. Um, sure. but I feel like the overpacking thing is such a is such a hard like thing for me to work through. Um when I think about like the Appalachian Trail uh trip coming up or different things, like I love my, and also like my Tacoma, I love my Tacoma. If I would probably keep driving a Tacoma unless I have children, um, just from a space perspective, the only thing I have with the Tacoma truck is it's easy to fill it up really fast. It's not a super big truck, you know, so space gets tight pretty quickly. Um, but I'm also not very good at packing. So if you could teach me that. (laughs) We can, oh, no. we can help you with that you betcha um yeah. we've packed enough times and and it's still kind of an adventure in itself when you know if if i pack for a trip and go with just some friends of mine or if my wife goes because it seems like i'm grabbing stuff of mine and taking it out of the truck to make room for her stuff <laughs> and we always we always do well, but that seems to always be a point of a little bit of contention with us. Um, but, she, but really, she does very well. Uh, it, uh, you know, probably the most thing we take that we don't need is more clothes than what we need. Because you can wear a pair of jeans more than one day or two days or even three days, depending on what you're doing. Um, yeah. There's ways to, you know, you can stop once in a while and do laundry this and stay clean or whatever so those are some of the things that we do teach in our, our workshops and we teach people how to pack for a weekend or a month or two months so um and and the reason that we can kind of do this and just because you come up and see how we do it it's not the only way to do it because uh you know, we have done it for a long time now, so we know what works for us. I don't know what works for you, Steph, so you would have to pack differently than what I do. Uh, so, um, and, and that, but that we try to show people how you can maximize the things that you take, and, and there's no reason to take 
you know, six pillows. I mean, pillows take a lot of, you know, if, uh, if you can get by with one small one, I, you're better off. So, uh, if you can get by with one bag, we carry the Duluth pack bags. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Yeah. That's all I, that's all I ever carry for luggage. In fact, I, I need to send mine back because it's wore out again. I, you know, I, I used to carry it back and forth to, to work every day. So, uh, and it's been a lot of different places and it, the zippers are wore out and it needs patched and those kinds of things. But um, so maybe Christmas, I might get something like that. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's just a matter of getting used to what you want to take. And that's partly, partly what we try to show people. And if you look at our truck and you, you've seen it, but it, it's changed even since you've seen it, I'm sure. um, you know, it looks like, I've had people remark, well, it looks like it should be on the plains of the Serengeti someplace, you know, and it's like, yes. well, it, and our truck is 10 years old. So it does not happen overnight. There's a process that you go through and we've improved things. And, you know, we have a, a, a refrigerator freezer in the back of the truck. That's where we keep all of our groceries. Uh, we use a secondary battery system, you know, that we don't have, we don't have soggy sandwiches anymore but a good cooler works very well too. Uh, when we did the Continental Divide Trail, everybody had built rigs except for one guy. The only thing he had was uh, rock sliders and new tires. And he had, a, it's a newer forerunner. Uh, so he had a number of traction options. And you know, he did exactly the same trails that we did. And he was traveling by himself. He opened the hatch and he crawled in. He had made a, a place in the back. That's where he slept. He got along great, you know, so, and he didn't have near the gear that we have. And that, that's just simply because that's the way he chooses to travel. Um, and he got better mileage than we did because, you know, we were carrying heavier loads. And uh, I don't know if you've lifted your, your Tacoma or not, but ours is lifted just a bit. Uh, and it's carrying front and rear bumpers that, you know, weigh a fair amount. So the, the, uh, the options and choices that you make are, it's completely up to you. There's no right or wrong way. We could be on a trip and, and exceed the capabilities of our truck, you know, if you weren't careful. So if you're driving a small car, take it over landing. It works. It's there's nothing wrong with it. It might not be my choice. Just don't exceed its its capabilities. Yeah. So it works for everybody, <laughs> you know. And and everybody can can travel quite cheaply, quite cheaply. Yes, I agree. Do you do you uh, <clears throat> uh, do you mind sharing how many miles you have on your Tacoma? Uh, almost one hundred forty one thousand. Oh, okay. So it's that's it's less not, than I thought. That's less than I thought. <laughs> well, we we actually bought it used, so it wasn't even new when we got it. It was, I think, it was three years old when we bought it. Had thirteen thousand miles on it, um, but I know that it had it had not seen a gravel road or a snowflake at that time. It it's certainly well past that now, but <laughs> um, dang it! it uh, and it we don't have. Uh, this the tires that we have on it are the same size what came on it except they're they're inch taller is the only difference and they're heavier duty tires but um because we inflate and deflate tires 
several times a day sometimes depending on the trails we're on you know or if you're just on the highway that's the only bad thing about iowa is we're a long ways from some of the great cheap trails and you know colorado and wyoming and those places so we do have to get on the highway and travel some once in a while yeah yeah and uh well i (laughs) i i love again i love my truck and i love driving and I have, I think, 155,000 miles of mine, and mine Great. is not very old. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, so, I, I, I salute you. So um, I have, I have it makes no me nervous. Of, yeah, I have no intention of, of trading or uh, at least right now until I get to 300,000, maybe, you know. Uh, now I've always just dreamed of a Toyota Land Cruiser. Uh, but I think this Tacoma will probably be the closest I ever get to a Land Cruiser. So, and, it, it and this well. isn't, yeah, and this well. is definitely not sponsored by Tacoma. I wish it was. Oh, no, that no, would be great. No, that would be no, a great no, podcast no. sponsor. I mean, we're, we're already friends. I mean, we're both Tacoma drivers. So, you know, yeah, that's got to say something, right? So. Yeah. I, I, I knew I wanted a Tacoma the second I got it and I absolutely love mine. And it's been a really good truck, especially since I drive it all over the place. Sure. I, um, and like, sometimes people are like, well, why don't you get a rental instead of putting more miles on your truck, which I don't want to put more miles on my truck. I don't have my truck paid off yet. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, I plan on keeping it until it, I, until I can't drive it anymore, you know, right. cause I, right. I really, truly, it's been such a good vehicle for me. And I love traveling in it, um, especially being um, when I travel, I am oftentimes going on terrain that's not just highway. Exactly. And um, I'm going, I'm traveling in the winter sometimes. And I'm, you know, I just feel it's a, it's been a really safe vehicle. It handles different elements and terrain really well. And it has, you know, it has a bed in the back so I can put my my gear and my dogs and all those things back there too. So right. um, I just can't picture a better vehicle for me really. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping, I think about it sometimes I get really regular oil changes and try to take good care of it or whatever. Absolutely. Like everybody should, Absolutely. but I think it's going to hit 300,000 before I pay off. Yep. <laughs> well, Pretty sure. Well, here's, here's another option. If, if you're, what we run into is, is we have the time as long as our families, nothing's, everybody's healthy and happy in the family. We could take the time to take a nice Alaska trip, for instance. But at the same time, there's a place in Anchorage where you can rent an overlanding vehicle. You can fly nice. to Anchorage and it's fully outfitted. All you have to do is take your personal items with you. Um, and then you can rent that vehicle. And it's very much like yours or mine and take a week or two weeks or 10 days whatever it is whatever the time you have and travel and and see at least a part of alaska now um if you have the time i would say drive but um if we were you know when we go back to alaska again i would take no less than 30 or 40 days and not everybody can do that so this might be an option or something like that. Now, 
my wife may not want to travel all that time on the road because we do mm -hmm. have grandchildren and it's kind of hard to be away from them sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, what we're what we're kind of kicking around is doing the same thing we did last time is I'll drive out to maybe Seattle or something like that, like that. And she'll fly out. We'll go on up to Alaska and then she'll fly home from another spot or something like that. And, you know, we'll go from there. So there's all kinds of options, um, you know, things that you can do. Um, and we, we have some friends of ours that, have been talking that they, yeah they'd like to if we're going to go they would like to go also and his wife might fly up there and do that same that same type of thing so um or you could fly up there and, and rent a vehicle now for me personally and some of my friends you know they've spent so much time in building their own own rigs that that's what they want to drive up there and that's admirable that's that's the way i kind of feel too but yeah you know, you have to work these things into a situation where they're feasible and where you can afford them and, you know, make it fun. If it's not going to be fun, there's no point in going. Right. Yeah. So, but yes, totally. I mean, we, I, we, we have fun when we go up to the timber on our, on the weekends, you know, when we have workshops or with family or whatever, um, you know, that's, that's where my boys learned to camp and, and learn to hunt was in our little timber. And it's, that's not maybe the best, but it's what we have. So it works. So, but. Oh, no, I think that, I mean, it's good. And you've, and you, I mean, I, I can't speak exactly where your timber is, but in the area that you're at, it's good hunting there and yeah. it's beautiful yeah, there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. I, I was, I mean, I could, I, I I'm like in like daydream mode right now, but I did a, I did a little like fly, fly fishing trip in, um, yellow river state forest. Um, nice this, yeah, it was last summer and with, uh, a couple girlfriends I knew, and then a few other girls I didn't now we're, you know, we're all friends. It was this wonderful little camping trip, but, um, our campsite was like backed up to the stream was like right behind our campsite and we were like mm -hmm. tucked away um from kind of everybody and it was like in northeast iowa is just something special anyway <laughs> but and i have no problem i love iowa i'm probably i feel like one of the few who just like loves iowa like i love i i love traveling and i love being on the road and i love all of that but i love coming home to iowa um absolutely it, it just it just is my home and i and i and it it provides like what i love to do and you know has my family and all my people but uh it, it was like you could have told me I was anywhere else out there and up there besides Iowa you know like it felt like you were out west somewhere like I don't know it was just beautiful and tucked away and it was just a few days and it felt just as much like some of the travels I've taken like out west or out east oh, sure. you know yeah. it was just as nice we've been up there a number of times that's a nice area there, there are actually a, a few trails up there that you can run with your vehicles as well so cool. Um, and we've done that, you know, more than once. So, um, actually part of the Wisconsin adventure trail runs through Yellow River Forest. Oh, very so, cool. But, uh, um, and that, that particular trail you can do in a long weekend and it's not terribly difficult as far as off-road stuff, but the scenery and the things you can, you can come across, uh, and the sites you can see, um, 
my wife has been actually on me for getting back up there to uh, it, it. The trail terminates in a town called Cornucopia. And it's just a neat area. You know, it's like Iowa's closest thing that Iowa can get to an ocean. And, uh, you know, it's always refreshing to to sit on the beach or the coast or whatever. So um, that is her little kind of dream away from, you know, outside of going a long distance, which, I mean, it's far enough, but it's still just a, a small adventure that she really enjoys. So, yeah. and, and we do work on these together. It's not, we don't go everywhere that I want to go or where she wants to go. We plan them together. Um, sometimes she'll plan a trip and it's like, okay, whatever you want to do, we'll go. It's like, I don't, sometimes I don't really care as long as we get to go someplace. So, um, and that's, that's what it's all about. And that's what we try to, to get across to people and show people. And at the, at the BOW out there by Des Moines, um, some of those ladies, they sign up for our, our portion of the class and they're not sure what they're signing up for. I don't, I don't think. And then, uh, they usually are pretty familiar with it by the time we're done and everybody seems like they have a good time and, and enjoy it. So that's, as long as that happens, that's, that's great. So, but, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But, that is, that is so awesome. Yep. No, we can, you know, we do a number of different things. Um, we've even worked with some people that had, they bought a fairly new pickup and a fifth wheel camper and they never, really towed a camper before so we were going over the camper with them and the truck and what its uh, potential was as far as you know four-wheel drive truck he'd never really been around those types of vehicles before and uh, so I think we spent you know know, 10 or 10 hours or so with them give or take just showing them what what they could actually do with those things and you know they were they were very grateful so and I know they're still camping today you know not maybe today with the winter but they they have the camper and they go different various places and they enjoy it and you know that's that's what it's all about so you can go any way you know if all you're doing is packing a uh, you know an army surplus duffel bag and going out for the weekend all you have to do is worry about packing your cooler at that point a little water you're good to go or if you have a you know a fifth wheel camper or something in between like yours and mine you know it, it just really depends on what you want to do so yeah, yeah no I, I feel like there's gonna be multiple times in my in my travel journey in life that i'll i'll reach back out to you <laughs> for advice yeah. because no, no if, that's fun before we got our house i was really and it wasn't going anywhere and i'm and i'm glad right now it didn't <laughs> but I have said, if I was ever single without kids, that I would live in a camper for at least a year um, and travel. And I think this is becoming more popular or more seen now as well, because part of that is there are so many jobs that you can do from the road and from home as well. Um, as long as you have a good Wi-Fi signal, um, you can do a lot of things from the road. But it's trickier than that, right? Like it's it's not it. That sounds nice, but it, you know, there's there's a lot of like things to look at there. But 
I was really trying to convince my boyfriend a little over a year ago to live in a camper for a year before we bought our house. Um, and yeah, I didn't have like a ton of support on that. Most people <laughs> thought I was pretty crazy. And especially because we have three of the dogs are with us all the, like live with us. Um, so, which sounds confusing, but we're, we, we have like hunting dogs and two of them live somewhere else. And yeah, it's kind sure. of a weird thing, but um. And that's like a whole nother, that's like a whole nother layer is like traveling and like overlanding with like animals, you know, um, like how do people do that? How do they make that work? How do they live out of a camper if they have yep. dogs or children or tight spaces, you know? Um, that's like, I feel like a whole nother podcast episode, honestly, but. Well, I, I, we've seen people come out of a rooftop tent with two big dogs and two kids and, you know. It's like, I'm not sure where they're putting everything, but okay, if that, if that works for them, I guess that's okay. Um, yeah. But uh, um, no, you can do it many different ways. And and that's what we try to get across and, and show people. So, um, you know, whether we do a, a workshop that's an afternoon as or as little as four hours, a half a day, or whether it's, you know, two nights of camping, I mean, some of the nicest times actually in those workshops is actually sitting around the fire at night because after a day or part of a day together, people kind of seem to open up a little bit more. So well, what do you do here? Or what do you do there? And you're sitting around the fire having, you know, a hot cup of coffee or hot chocolate or, or hot dogs over the fire or um, Sally makes really good peach cobbler, for instance, in the Dutch oven, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, when you sit down and start sharing a meal together, you know, that's, that's more intimate than just standing in front of a class in a classroom teaching something. Yeah. And people will open up and ask you all kinds of, all kinds of questions. So, yeah. and some of them, you know, you kind of have to scratch your head a little bit about, but it's interesting. Um, uh, I, I made a, uh, you know, built a class for the first BOW class that we did. And I had to throw it out in the first 10 or 15 minutes because once all the ladies arrived, we had questions from almost every angle. And it's like questions I thought, really? Okay, well, you know, we can do this and do that. And so like we go into it with a plan, any of these we go into with a, with a plan, but um, many times we get kind of sidelined or on another subject. Um, I know the one class that we were teaching just general overlanding and she said, well, does anybody ever sleep or jump in a hammock, for instance? You know, you don't always have trees around to hang a hammock. So we had one tree that happened to be there. We tied with that and then to the roof rack on the vehicle. And I, so I got the ropes and stuff out and webbing and we, we carry all the time, start tying knots and wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we had a, you know, a knot tying class there on, you know, right then and there. So uh, things that, that we take for granted sometimes, or it's like, hey, that's kind of cool. Can you show me how to do that? And that's that's the way a lot of our, our things go. Um, yeah. And, you know, if we've had people bring things to workshops that I've never seen before, it's like, that's pretty, pretty nice piece of kit, you know, uh, pretty neat you know, equipment or something, some little tool or gizmo or something that's inexpensive and, and very handy. So, but even tying knots sometimes can amaze people. So it can, 
you know, if you if you came to someone's workshop and they showed you absolutely everything about overlanding, you you could be there for a week. So we try to pick and choose what people want to learn about. And we try to, on our recovery classes, people don't know what they don't know sometimes. So in recovery equipment, um, I've had people buy things that were completely inappropriate for the situation they might find themselves. So wait till you come to a workshop and see what you're going to need. And then if you want to go buy something, you're, you're more informed about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we, that's, we, we help people that way too. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, it, no, I love, I love that. And I can completely understand. I can't imagine like overlanding. I feel like there'd just be so many things, but when I host events and workshops, um, cause I teach like outdoor classes and hunting yeah. and uh, archery classes, I've, I've learned a lot, especially this last year. Um, my first archery retreat I did, it was a weekend of like archery to bow hunting to bow fishing. So we had like each day we kind of graduated into something, put it into practice, had a competition. It was, it was awesome. I'm, it's like one of the, my favorite events I ever put together, honestly, it was very eye opening. It was just wonderful. But the biggest thing I probably didn't share a third of the information I was like ready to oh. to to give you know um because it wasn't necessary because everyone was pretty new to all of it for the most part and even the ones that were a little bit more experienced like their questions were so um they had it's just like the knot tying you know I'd present one thing and they'd be like whoa 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 break this down like into five more steps you know and um which was great I I thought was really good. Um, it, it makes me a better teacher and a better mentor. Um, and it, it makes me better at what I love to do also. Cause it slows me down and has me take a look at things a little bit differently, but, um, yeah, people just don't know what they don't know and you don't know what they don't know. So right. I think that's, I, I just like relate to that so much. It surprises you. And, um, my full-time job, is I plan uh, hunts for kids across the state of Iowa. And my job is to find mentors and landowners and make these hunts happen across the state. And something I always share with people is I get these folks that have been hunting their whole life or for a few years or whatever. um, And they're a great mentor, but sometimes they don't step up to mentor because they're afraid they're not expert enough to mentor someone. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, I'm like, you don't, you don't need to know a hundred percent more than these people. You really actually need to know probably like 10% more because they just need the support and someone there to help them get to that next step. They don't need so, you to know to gain all the, the confidence answers. to move on. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, that. it's yeah. But you, you have like a plethora of information. You're much more <laughs> than like 10%, but well, thank um, you. yeah. Yeah. Like, but I think it's, I think it's great that you guys are offering that to people. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. And I, I do have, I do have a few questions I want to ask you before we like wrap up the sure. podcast too. So my first question is what is there, is there a piece of gear or something you feel like everybody needs with their travels, like a must have breaking it down to the bare necessities. Like this is a must have. Um. What we tell people is when you start to acquire equipment, 
there are some things that are very nice to have, and there are are many things that uh, you should consider a requirement. If you're going camping, try not to skimp on a tent. You know, you don't really want a Walmart. I hate to pick on Walmart, but uh, a Walmart tent for really keeping you dry in a rainstorm. You want a very high quality sleeping bag and rain flies, you know, for your tents, of course. Um, because if you can't stay warm, dry, and comfortable on a camping trip, no matter what you're doing, you're not going to have a good time. So anything outside of that, you can get by with a cheap cooler to start with. Um, and then eventually move into a refrigerator, freezer, like what we have. Uh, when we when I purchased that, uh, my wife was not very happy uh, because they're not the cheapest item out there. But they're very high quality. They're made for this type of use. Uh, now you would have to fight her to get it from her. So, you know, that refrigerator is not a must-have. It's, it's a want or it's, you know, it's a very nice piece of kit for uh, convenience. Um, warm, if you can stay warm, dry, and comfortable, that's your biggest thing. If you can need water, of course, and when you get to the, the amount of water that you want to have, take a little more because you're going to have drinking water, cooking water, washing water, depending on how long... None of us needs to shower for a weekend, but we do have a shower and a shower room with our, our vehicle. Um, so the main thing is like your, your tent, your sleeping uh, arrangements and staying dry and you need to eat well. I mean, you can, a good friend of mine, he eats a lot of power bars, uh, a lot of very, very easy things to make, you know, sandwich, when we do too, we eat sandwiches. We don't always cook over, you know, the fire or stove or those types of things. Uh, but yeah, if you can stay good quality tent, sleeping bag, those kinds of, the very basic things, go as best as you can afford and you can stay dry and have a good time. Perfect. And then what uh what is your next adventure hopefully um funny that you asked that but uh, uh my ideas of adventures and sometimes my wife's are a little bit different <laughs> but i am planning an alaska trip right now and i guess you could say actually we are planning an alaska trip right now but we don't know when or where. Um, we have some other short, very short trips that we're planning. Uh, a good friend of mine called the other night. And for instance, I think we're, we're making plans on going to the, what they call the Moore Expo. It's down in Springfield, Missouri, and it's just a weekend. It's no big deal, but we've been to the Expo out in Loveland, Colorado which is really, I mean, it's amazing. There's so many rigs around, you know, like what we're driving and you can pick up so many great ideas, but the more expo is for folks like you and I, they have vehicles and equipment down there that, wow, look at that. We could do that. And that's affordable for us or to help you set up an electrical system in your vehicle or, uh, 
recovery kits or just some very simple things. Um, I think one thing I bought down there was it was just a, a, a small front pack that you carry across your chest and you can carry a, a number of few things, number, number of items in that, you know, from first aid kits to, you know, whatever you choose to carry. You know, if you're just taking a walk down a half mile walk down a trail. So that's probably going to be one of our next things. I know we're going to be headed for the Ozarks at some point. So, um, but uh, like I say, the Alaska trip is, is the wheels are turning and we're making some plans for that. That, that would be an amazing thing. Um, and to see a few other little areas that we didn't see last time, which I don't know how many times it would take to go to Alaska to see it all. There's people who live in Alaska that haven't seen it all. So, yeah. 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 But Alaska, yeah, Alaska's the top of the list too. I, I feel yeah. my, my dad basically has a, and I, I, I don't know like exactly why he hasn't, but that is, uh, that is like the top of his list. And he basically, I've had a couple opportunities to go <clears throat> to Alaska for some random things. And, um, he basically is like, you are not going to Alaska without me for the first time. Like you're not going without me going. And I'm like, well, you better be ready to go when I'm ready to yep. go. Um, the and best so, advice yeah, I that's... give you is grab your stuff and go. <laughs> you know, just go. So. I think, I think Alaska, you, you have brought so many different like ideas around that. So that's been really awesome. Um, and I'm sure that there's more information on it. Uh, the a handful of people I know who have gone to Alaska did like, they spent $10,000 going to Alaska, you know? And I'm like, I'm not spending $10,000 to go to Alaska. So right. uh, I I think that's really exciting. And I will be getting my, my planning done for, for that, for sure. Um, and then how, how can, how can people find you, connect with you, possibly do a workshop? Like how, how can people, how can people find you? Um, I am much better at, at things around a campfire than I am working on my own website. I wish I could help sure. somebody or find somebody that would help me keep that up to date perfectly. Um, the best way I like to talk to people is face to face. You know, if they, if, if you have a question, call me. Uh, I, I don't charge for sharing ideas or, you know, if you wanted to come up and look at my Tacoma closer and see what we've done to it, uh, even since you've seen it last, just all you gotta do is show up, call, let me know you're coming, but show up and, <laughs> you know, we can look it over. Um, you know, those kinds of things. We've had people come down that have seen the, the truck on the road or in a parking lot. Uh, we've got nomad overlanding on the windows and our website and a phone number. So, um, you know, we've had probably more people contact us that way. Uh, through Jeep clubs, those kinds of things. Um, you know, you're welcome to give out my number or if you have if you have someone who wants to learn more about this, give them my information, my contact information. They can either text me or call me. I prefer phone calls. I'm kind of old-fashioned, I guess, but just call me. Yeah. And uh, we can set something up. Um, awesome. Even in the wintertime out here, if – if you wanted to come out and do a vehicle recovery class, we could do that just for you. 
you know, and, and your boyfriend if you wanted to. So yeah. we, we do private sessions and, and group sessions and it's whatever people want to do. You know, we don't, we don't push any of this on anybody. Um, we're not out on the street corner selling this to everybody, but, and it's, and it's not for everybody, you know, right. uh, you know, my truck will, it gets a few looks around this area and in Cedar Rapids. But if you get out West, it's just another truck, you know, it's just another vehicle, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing special. Um, but it's what you do with those things. And if you use them every, I will say everything that we have, we use. So there's nothing that's, that's for looks. There's nothing that's for status. You know, it's, I don't care what you think about my truck. It doesn't matter to me. I, it's set up the way I like it and it does the things I like it to do, but no, just have people call. Um, you know, if you want to bring a group out, bring a group out, just let me know. And, and um, we can show them, we could spend two hours and just go through equipment in the barn out here and never have to go outside. If you don't want to, we can sit around the fire, the campfire in the evening and talk about all kinds of things. Um, you know, it's it's when we get into the workshops and actually getting out there and starting using equipment. That's, you know, I'm not going to allow this business to cost us money, I guess, if you want to say that. Yeah. yeah. So, no, just call us. It's the best thing you yeah. can do. Yeah, so. I will share. I will share that on uh, the podcast note. So anyone who listens can like yeah, find it. No, they're, and, they're welcome to. And I'm pretty. I'm pretty, pretty easy to get a hold of too. I always say I'm a little too easy to find on the internet. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but people can reach out and I would love to connect, Absolutely. connect them with Absolutely. you. That, that's um, what we're, we're here to, to kind of show people that you can do this and not have to spend a lot of money. I mean, like I say, at one point, all we had was a cooler, two kids in diapers, a tent and a minivan, you know, so most anybody can do this stuff. Um, yeah. we did not build this truck overnight and it's not our first vehicle. So, um, my wife. The last new vehicle we had, she it was a brand new uh, Nissan Xterra. And we put our first rooftop tent on her vehicle. And my, my youngest son calls me, he and his wife's dad says, do you think we could use the tent? Well, sure, if you want to, but it's on mom's car. Well, can we take her car? So I, I'm thinking for a weekend or whatever. No, they went to the Badlands, you know, Dakotas. <laughs> so, and up to that point, all we had slept in the tent. We had just gotten it and we put it up and out, put it out in the backyard and slept it literally in the backyard. That's the only time we'd used it. And then they took it out West. So, uh, and then I ended up with a forerunner, an older forerunner. And then, uh, and then now the Tacoma. So, um, yeah, just have people get a hold of us. We can, you know, if you show up on a bicycle, I can show you how to go over landing. You know, that's, that's what it amounts to. And we can, yeah. we can work it in somehow. So I like a challenge. So that's, that works out good. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm in, <clears throat> I'm inspired for sure on a number of things. Like I, this, this whole conversation is taking me back to just like adventures and childhood and things. My, my dad's a mechanic by trade. Um, and a really, he's actually a very he good He would be mechanic. a great one to take along on the trip then. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. about that, like, 
things I'm like really jealous of. And my dad always makes a joke. Like I always tell him, I wish he would have taught me more mechanical skills. And he, he always says, he's like, it's better you don't because then you're not going to get asked to help anybody else because <laughs> he gets you know he's like joking but um he has he has saved a day many times like oh, on road trips for other people and for ourselves you know when vehicles yeah. go bad and whatever um but then like I think about he has like that skill set um he's really my parents were and I I'm not but like looking back they're really good at reading maps and figuring out how to get yes. back on course. Yes. They're very good at that. Um, See, it's a lot of things that we that we teach um, that are much bigger than what you think are map, you know, teaching maps, uh, communication skills. We have ways that right now I can communicate with uh, home here anytime from almost anywhere in the world. And we don't have a we don't have a uh, satellite phone, so we we carry uh, two way radios, a ham radio in the in the vehicle, plus portables for walking trails. We carry a uh, a little satellite communication, um, the mini inReach. We carry one of those. You can text back and forth, and actually through your phone, even if you don't have cell phone coverage. Because so many people, and it's a fault, I think, so many people want to go over landing and want to communicate with or use their cell phones. We have cell phone coverage maybe 40% of the time, if that, when we're on a trip. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking just a weekend. I'm talking a, a good-sized trip. Yeah. So you have to, and that's just preparation again. So. Um, and those are some of the things that we teach too. So, yeah, I love that. I would, that is, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't mind not being on my phone, but I do, I, I would say a lot of the stress I probably cause my friends and family is when I go places and I don't have service and I have no way of just being like, Hey, I'm alive. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> so, and, yeah. And this works really good for that. Um, uh, and it, you know, it's nice to be away from the phone a bit sometimes. So yeah. Mm -hmm but uh no yeah no. no it's that's so that's so awesome and i'm so grateful for this conversation and connecting with you and i i really look forward to like doing a workshop with you and your wife yeah. and i i'm i'm all i'm all in um so thank you for today and you're very welcome just sharing your story um and one thing about our workshops too i'll, I'll just throw in is uh whether it's vehicle recovery camping campfire cooking or whatever it may be that we're focusing on it's hands-on so if it's muddy out and we're doing vehicle recovery you better bring a change of clothes because you're probably going to get muddy <laughs> so um but that's that's a big part of it we want to get people get their hands on this stuff and and learn how it's used and why it's used and when it's used so but no it, it that'll you know anytime on we're we're around unless we're gone I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, just have people contact us or contact you, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. You know, and and we're open to most anything. Um, I will promise that if we don't know something or we're not experienced with something you want to learn, we'll tell you. And I can either get you pointed in the right direction or we can get something figured out. So, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. And but, no, I think that's that's great. That's super great. And 
Um, I, I'm excited for you and your adventures and you've definitely inspired me on some of mine and uh, just thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, it's been a pleasure, Steph. So thank you all so much for being here and being back. This is episode one of season three. I have gone through so much change and just like life in the last few years of having this podcast. And I think it's a, it's a new time. It's a new chapter. And I am so excited. All of you are here with me. I love you. Thank you for being here until next time. Get out there.